I, I paid absolutely no attention to the preseason. I needed a holiday after that Champions League final. I was I wanted a couple of clear months, and it's been two months and one week to the day since we last sat down to record one of these. And before the skulls testimonial, I'd not watch a ball kicked. But but I'm back and ready and eager to, for the season to start. And you'll notice we might sound a bit crisper. No, nothing to do with the fact that we've been out robbing audio equipment. Nothing to do with that at all. Actually, we don't sound crisper at all. I was just making a yeah. riot based some hilarious riot humour oh you japester yeah <laughs> well actually you know if anyone has been out looting I could do with it no 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 that's maybe not well fair enough Pre- pre-season uh, I'm not sure I needed a holiday I think I needed some therapy after that that Barcelona game that was, uh, that was seriously tough wasn't it to get over for a while and then, then who should pop up in pre-season but Barcelona again I, I suppose there was a small very small micro mini 0.001% of redemption in in beating them in pre-season I suppose and and, and I, I guess a generally a successful tour of the states I think what you mean is we've clearly proven that the summer transfer activity has closed the gap with the mighty Barcelona by beating them in, in the really big prestigious one that mattered that everyone wanted to win the pre-season friendly. you can keep your Champions League it's all about the Burger King Tour O USA 2011 Cup. I think, in fact, it was called the uh, the the World Champions Cup or something. So world, well, better than European world. It's bigger. Exactly. Um. Yeah. So, did, so how much of the uh, the preseason tour of America did you see? Yeah, quite a, quite a bit actually. Yeah. I, I didn't I didn't watch the one that kicked off in Seattle at three o'clock. I, I had to make do with uh, internet highlights of that one. But I saw quite a few of them, and there was it was successful in that uh, a lot of players got some games. Uh, some of the younger players. Actually, they didn't play a whole load. Smalling and Jones and, and Cleverly all turned, and De Gea actually, all turned up uh, later into the tour because they'd been involved in the uh, European Under-21 Championships. So it was actually a very good tournament, that one. And uh, Bebe had been involved in the Women's World Cup. No, uh, no, no, that's wrong there. Yeah. Poor old Bebe. Not the week to be making jokes at the young man's expense. Get well soon, lad. We're rooting for Some you. Some severe knee knack. Yes, uh, snapped an anterior cruciate ligament in his, his left leg and uh, we will be out for at least six months although that injury probably means uh, you know most of the season so yeah pretty bad one for him but but back to the USA tour yeah um, you know some good football played uh, have to say championship level quality opposition until United played Barcelona and then that was a Barcelona without Xavi and, and uh, Messi and, and quite a few of the, the major stars and they were at least two weeks behind United in terms of fitness because La Liga uh, starts a couple of weeks later than the Premier League so no, you know I I wouldn't want to draw too much from that but so football side you know decent enough I guess an awful lot of commercial stuff uh, also involved in that tour uh, that's why they go back there uh, crisscrossed America I, I've uh, more than 8,000 miles or something just in America alone going back and forth plus the flights and you know there and back so uh, a lot of stuff going on uh, big events with Nike and Hublot and, and uh, all of that and, and it will have made United something like 5 million in profit now with their rumoured to be paid $2 million a game plus all the other commercial stuff. That's, that's just a lot of money. It's interesting because I have very mixed feelings about it. Obviously my instinct is that this is a terrible waste of resources and time and not the best way of United getting fit. But we're obviously very active on Twitter and amongst United fans and seeing really passionate United fans from America absolutely over the moon that United are there. If you support a team which has become globally supported, I guess you have to accept the fact that that team's going to go 
and play for those fans. And everyone wants to break America. I mean, it's it's now uh, what officially the fourth most popular sport in the states, or, or something along those lines. And the, the profile is clearly rising. You know, United. Uh, it's not it's not just about the the money that United gained through the tour itself in terms of the fees paid and that kind of thing. It's about increasing the global audience so United United can do the kind of localized exclusive commercial deals that have driven the commercial expansion of the club over the last two or three years so um, I mean you'd be surprised if they keep going back to the States because actually an awful lot of the work or the sponsorship deals United have done are, are truly global in nature so maybe we'll see United back in, in uh, Asia next summer maybe so I have to say it doesn't look like it's had a negative impact on our players fitness um, we were at Old Trafford for the Skulls testimonial and players looked in incredibly good physical nick from pre-season um, and, and that was borne out again in the charity shield where we were just an absolute bag of energy it's really exciting to see that because I think it, it hasn't been the case for the last we've started slowly I think the last few seasons yeah and, and so that, so Alex said as much didn't he he said that I think the, the quote was that he'd mucked up last season by not giving the players 90 minutes in pre-season actually he really didn't do that in pre-season I mean he, he rotated he chopped and changed he made a lot of substitutions even, even though he said he wouldn't so I'm not sure he actually gave too many players 90 minutes in, in pre-season but um, a lot of what you'd call the, the first 11 got a full 45 in Skulls' testimonial then then uh, I think he made five substitutions against City in the Charity Shield and all Community Shield as it's called these days and and uh, you're right you're right Bags of energy. the second half I mean the first half was pretty worrying I, I went along with some United fans we were all pretty concerned about uh, how much City's sort of powerful midfield appeared to get on top uh, yeah, for the middle part of that first half and, and um, that was pretty concerning but, but Carrick left and I, you know, I'm not someone who blames Carrick by any means but, but his departure certainly added a new impetus to United's play I thought in the, the second 45 and cleverly came in and he was obviously very impressive and I thought Jones was excellent and, and they're two of the new boys come back well one come back and one uh, brought in at great expense and obviously Danny Welbeck had an excellent game back after a year at Sunderland and, and of course Ashley Young I, th- I thought had a, a very good game for United as well and, and interesting to see Peter Michael say this week that he thinks that Young is already 25% better than his time at Aston Villa simply for the fact that he's in a team with the United players and that's probably true and I've been uh, yeah, pretty impressed with him so far uh, what I've seen and, and I certainly wasn't one of the people who thought that he was the right signing for United. Uh, no, and, and nor was I, and I've I've come increasingly around since the day we signed him officially, and the word corners suddenly popped into my head. There's a lot been a lot of talk about where we are in relation to where we were. I mean, there has for the last couple of seasons. Uh, you know, we upset Sleepy Nick last season by saying United have clearly regressed since the front four of Tevez, Berbatov, Ronaldo and Rooney. Uh, and, you know, we lost O'Shea, Brown, Van der Sar, Scholes, Gary Neville last season. But the loss of of uh, Van der Sar and Skulls in particular because because Gary Neville was a long way past his prime is an enormous amount of quality to lose and whether we're kind of net stronger this season than we were last season is obviously yet to be seen but I think Ashley Young could potentially potentially improves our effectiveness a great deal simply by using set pieces well yeah I, I'm not sure that in open play he's of the quality that will help bridge gap to Barcelona in fact I'm sure he's not but, but there are two things he really does he's flexible that's, that is important and we know how much Ferguson likes players uh, like that and and interchanging with him and Nani and Welbeck and Rooney was outstanding against City in the second half I thought and and the fact that Nani and and Young were able to switch sides all the time uh, and just 
just move around. I mean, it really did feel like sort of 2008 uh, all over again and the, the kind of flexibility there. And, and then, then the point you're kind of making there from Dead Balls, outstanding. And his delivery, the whole game uh, was outstanding. And, of course, he made Smalling's goal. Yeah, uh, and it was a, a, a really lovely set piece. I guess if we're going to talk about that game, uh, you, you were there. How did that second nanny goal look to you from your seat? Did you have a good view of it? It looked unbelievable on the TV. Yeah, it looked fantastic. Yeah, fa- fantastic. And, I mean, it all happened extremely quickly, uh, obviously, in uh, in real time. And, but you know, lovely Wembley has nice big screens that they keep showing it again. So they showed the, game, the goal about three times again. And, yeah, everyone was uh, pretty impressed at the time and watched it a few times afterwards as well. And it just keeps getting better when you look at it. And I think Ferguson was right. If Spain or Barcelona or Brazil had scored that goal, people would be talking about it for a long, long time. That was a really nice goal and nice to see cleverly involved in that uh, nice flick between his legs and then a touch into Rooney who flicked it between his legs as well as a back flick and then the ball through to Nani and, and a fine finish yeah it, I love any move any build up with two flicks between the legs in it you know what I mean two not just one but two that's 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 always a good sign I think uh, saying oh if Spain or Brazil or Barcelona had scored this goal everyone would be raving about it it's a bit ridiculous because we're Manchester United we're not Stoke you know what I mean it's not like we don't get credit for the quality of our play from the national or international audience I'm sure lots of people are raving about the quality of that goal maybe but but there is a presumption in in the media here that you know Arsenal and Barcelona and Spain play all the great football and and you know no one else does really and everyone else is just a little bit below that it's a complete nonsense of course in comparing United and Arsenal because I I think we play considerably nicer football than Arsenal do because it's all it's all very well Arsenal's football but but as is we combine that kind of you know passing at times with 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 a much more devastating end product that's why that's why we're champions as the song goes too right, too right. And, and I mean, I suppose it'd be uh, remiss of us to gloss over Phil Jones as well. I've impre- been impressed with Jones any time I've seen him, to be honest. He just looks like a, a real footballer to me. And, and uh, I know there's been a lot of talk about, oh, perhaps he could play midfield for United because there hasn't been a new defensive midfield signing. I, I don't think that will happen, but I do think he adds a lot as a footballer at the back. He's extremely comfortable on the ball. He reads the game brilliantly. He's very quick. I think the, the comparisons with John Terry are completely unfair on him. Completely. I mean, he's a much better footballer than ter- Terry you know, was or ever will be. And um, we'll see whether he's a better leader or, or you know, more effective defensively. And, and all of that in time, I suspect he will be. I, I, I think he'll be a top player for United for the next decade. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. And I think Chris Morning will as well. And I think the two of them together, the potential is absolutely enormous. And, and if De Gea can settle uh, after a slightly shaky start, but, I don't, you know, a lot of people were writing him off at half-time. Literally, I literally saw people saying that's pretty much it for his United career after the first half. Oh, it's just nonsense. It's just it's just massive nonsense. I mean, the f- for the first one, for a start, there's no way he's getting that ball. No, no the, f- the first one, the first one, he, apart from maybe he should have stayed on his line the whole time, but that's a very difficult decision to make. He didn't do too much wrong. The second one was poor goalkeeping. I know it, it moved and it was travelling through the air, but he, he definitely could have done better from that second one. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, I think he saw it slightly late because 
because he's slightly unsighted, only slightly. And it did move and he did dip, but yeah, he didn't get down quick enough. So, uh, ridiculous stat, of course, that uh, Jamie Redknapp kept going on about. And Redknapp kept going on about uh, De Gea was beaten from 11 times outside the box and it was the highest stat in the La Liga. He also made the most saves of any keeper from outside the box because Atletico had an awful back four last season. They shipped a hell of a load of goals. Uh, so, yeah, N- not the full picture painted there by Redknapp, but what do you expect? I mean, you know, m- maybe one day he'll be calling uh, De Gea a top, 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 top player. Like I think he will, like, inevitably. And if he does, which is the point I was try- I was coming to, in five years' time, De Gea, Smalling and Jones could be, could legitimately be the Van der Sar, Rio and Vidic of last year and the year before, or the year before that, rather. It's not it's not inconceivable that that, that, that threesome could be the centre of United's defence for, for a long time to come. It, it's really exciting, that is. And, and you know, with the De Silva brother on either flank at fullback, I, I like the look of that. I like the look of that too. I mean, of course, you know, the, the, there will be an awful lot of water under the bridge over the next five years, so we, do, we don't really know exactly where, oh, no, where that will not. go and injuries play their part and, and, and all of that. But, but I, have, I have no worries about De Gea. I, I think he's, I've seen him enough. He, he's a top quality keeper. He's no Massimo Taibi and, and uh, I, th- I think United bought real quality there and it will play out in the fullness of time. I mean, it's just insane to think that this 20-year-old kid who's who only, you know, who came late to pre-season for a start uh, is probably not in a house yet. He's probably living in a hotel. He doesn't speak any English and nothing I was saying to you at the Paul Scholes testimonial when he, he, he had a half there that, that the uh, the players were all shouting at him uh, because he wasn't organising the wall. I mean, he doesn't speak English. And and so so there are an awful lot of problems there. Yeah, he, he made a mistake. He didn't get down to a ball he should have got down to. I, I mean, he was travelling at some speed. If he got a hand to it, he might not have saved it anyway, but he definitely didn't do enough. Should we be worried about that? Absolutely not. I mean, he, he, I thought he had a pretty decent second half as well. Made a couple of good good little confidence-boosting saves. And um, the, the, the one slight upside from that whole situation was that at half-time, Massimo Taibi was trending globally on Twitter. That's not, not a sentence I ever thought I would say in 2011. It, it, it was a good moment. Um, that game, you said that City kind of out-muscled us for a period in the first half. Um, and that was obviously the case. Their two goals, especially the second goal, came from just them having way, way, way too much space. But I thought even in the first half, we were probably on balance the better side. And in the second half, there was absolutely nothing in it. We completely destroyed them. 3-2 ended up being a very flattering scoreline to City. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, United completely on top, you're right. Rooney said we gave them a footballing lesson, which I, I think was, was pretty accurate. They, they didn't look like title contenders in that second half. I mean, they, they've, got, they've, got, they've got players to come back, obviously, if Tevez does stay and, and isn't sulking. And if Kun Aguero settles in, that makes them automatically a lot stronger than they were. I think I said this last season, though. I don't think City can win the title with their midfield set up the way they they are. I mean, couldn't agree they do, more. They do bully teams, and they're very physical. And we saw you know a hell of a load of heavy tackles going, as well as their physical side. And they are a big side, and they they will score plenty of goals from set pieces. But I, th- I think unless they're prepared to set up in a more attacking way, and uh, I don't think they're going to score enough goals to win games. And I I, I just kind of think I mean there's a point that when United got back to two two Mancini pulled off Balotelli and put Milner on and they basically had four central midfielders on the pitch and they played extremely narrow and you're thinking oh hang on a minute um you know you're you're being overrun here by a very bright United side that's 
passing one touch football and just passing it around you I mean maybe that's the that maybe that's the idea he wanted to just you know get some dominance back in midfield because that's the way City play I, I don't know but I suspect they're going to have to open up a little bit more if they want to they want to win the big one and, uh, and that's why they're chasing Nazari I mean they do they do want that you know, extra little bit of creativity through the centre of the pitch I mean they've, they've certainly got creative players I mean Adam Johnson bewildered why he doesn't get more time uh, I think uh, I saw one report say that Mancini doesn't really trust him mentally doesn't think his attitude's quite right which is interesting and I think David Silva's a fabulous player I mean I remember writing about him uh, before he went to City saying that he, he was the one that United probably should have picked up and, and in Balotelli they've got a guy who, who can have a real hot patch but also is uh, clearly a nutcase yeah it's an unfortunate downside of Mario Balotelli isn't it that, that he's a young man with serious issues I to all when he brought Barry on I said to myself and maybe even put on Twitter see this is why they can't win the league it's it's I can't see them winning the league with Mancini in charge could totally be proven wrong by that but I think you know we've talked about so many times uh, Alex Ferguson is a gambling man he will go for it and 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 that that's been a huge part of the secret of his success and Mancini just doesn't appear to have that in him and I'm not sure that the you know the Premier League can be won like that I'm really I'm really not sure and I, I think they'll they'll have no problem getting into the top Top four, and if they sign Nasri, then then things change a little bit, as you say. But but only if the manager's prepared yeah, to open. Uh, up. That, that's right. Yeah, I, I'm not sure he will. So, which kind of brings us on to to the season ahead, in a way, doesn't it? Because I mean, I I, I did my annual predictions, which of course I'll get most of them wrong, but it's a, it's a mugs game predicting anything, isn't it? And, and but I mean, where do you, where do you see this? I mean, you, you asked this question sort of rhetorically earlier. Are, are United net better? And I have to say, I'm I'm not sure United are net better. I mean, you know. Some really exciting younger players uh, have either come back to the club or have been acquired. I think, for the most part, it's been a good summer transfer-wise. The, the right kind of balance of changes. But still that experienced central creative midfielder short, and arguably still a defensive midfielder short. So I don't, I don't know whether United are net better. But if, if I was predicting anything, I, I still think United are going to win the league. I mean, United had too much for everyone last year. I don't see anything's changed. The, the net better question is, is one which I find really interesting because the young players are improving which is, is hugely significant as I said I think whilst you're, you you say that Ashley Cole doesn't bring us closer to Barcelona and I kind of agree obviously in terms of like just sheer talent as a footballer if he can consistently deliver from set pieces that is an awful lot of goals we didn't score last season that we'll be scoring and especially like an awful lot of key goals away from home where we're having trouble breaking down teams that happened over and over and over again last season and the fact that every single time the ball went out for a corner you knew it was going to hit the first defender uh, means that I'm I'm sure that our set piece effectiveness is going to is going to be hugely significant I think that the fact that De Gea whilst is he's clearly an incredibly talented goalkeeper he's not going to step in and be as consistent as Van der Sar was last season because bar a couple of mistakes Van der Sar basically had as good a season as it's possible for a goalkeeper to have last season you can't see that that's going to happen again Jones and Smalling uh, with Johnny Evans as well if he returns to some kind of form means that we've got much much better f- coverage for Rio and Vidic than 
we have had in the past. And I guess the theory is he, he let John O'Shea go, and the only reason that he could possibly have done that when he when he did it, I thought the only way this makes sense is if he's planning to give Smalling some time at fullback and potentially uh, Jones as well uh, some time at fullback because the De Silva brothers are so fragile. Patrice Evra, I, I don't know, he, he had a pretty average season by his own standards last season. Still not looking brilliant in preseason. This this he'll definitely need to be covered at some point in the season because he's just put so much football in his legs the last three years so so maybe maybe there's a there's a bit of weakness in in cover there but i i think it's about getting minutes keeping jones and smalling totally happy while rio and Vidic are still the natural number one central defensive pairings i think defensively united are well covered maybe not in the fullback positions but smalling had an excellent game against city obviously a great athlete you wonder about his crossing ability you've got to say that wasn't great and so united will lose something there but but yeah uh, the De Silva brothers are a bit older, maturing. Maybe they'll stay fitter as a result. Uh, who knows? Uh, and they would certainly be um, your first choice and second choice at right back, probably. Uh, but yeah, plenty of cover. Uh, Brown obviously injured a lot. O'Shea injured a lot too and, and pushing 30. So probably the right time to let him go. I think that one was a, you know, maybe, maybe not letting O'Shea go. It was a no-brainer, I think, with Brown. It's oh, yeah, just, of course. just not going to get enough football out of him to, to make it worthwhile. So yeah, I, I mean, I still think United are better than the, the rest. I mean, Liverpool strengthened, but I think they were so far behind that that's not, not going to be good enough. There's turmoil at Arsenal. I mean, as we speak, uh, a fee has been agreed with Barcelona for Fabregas, so he'll be going. I think they'll probably end up selling Nasri to City this summer. I know there's been a lot of talk about not doing that, but that's a massive, massive fee that they'll be missing out on. I mean, if they play Nasri against Udinese, his value is half, yeah. because basically uh, Nasri wants to go to City City the only buyers here uh, City would like him in the Champions League uh, if they keep him all summer he'll go to City anyway next summer uh, and Arsenal will miss out on that fee uh, it doesn't you know for a club that prides itself on financial probity uh, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me so I think he'll go um, despite the talk otherwise Tottenham haven't progressed uh, they've kept it looks like they kept Modric but I would say the economics will still will still talk there eventually and it might well be that Chelsea pick him up and, and, and if they don't Chelsea are uh, and are net down for me because SEN's injured and that's going to be a huge loss. Yeah, and you know, whilst their keep their new manager could be the inspirational leader they all need, it's also a gamble. You know, I mean, he's been extremely successful at Porto, but when they signed Mourinho, it was kind of a gamble. I mean, obviously it paid off in spades, but but appointing Villas Boas, he's certainly not a proven. He's not a Carlo Ancelotti. You know, he doesn't have the record. I mean, you know, a lot of Chelsea fans were unhappy with Ancelotti, but I don't totally understand why. I must confess. So you know that that I think I think you're right, Chelsea. Chelsea and net down the team that are obviously on the up is is City, and they'll they'll continue to progress um, in terms of the signings that they're making because it's looking like by the end of the summer they'll have signed Kunaguero and and Sami Nasri, two excellent footballers. And they've got Klichy, who's a, a decent left back and and certainly a lot quicker than Kolarov and and more consistent than Wayne Bridge. And, and I guess uh, most of their work now in the, the next sort of three weeks until the, the 
window closes will be to get rid of players that are on their staff. I mean, an incredible amount of talent and wages they've got outside of the squad. I mean, uh, just just uh, Bellamy, £95,000 a week. Adebayo, 190000 uh, Apparently, Wayne Bridges on 100 grand a week. I mean, oh my God, uh, for such an uh, average player. Uh, so that's, that's three they need to ship out. And then, of course, there's uh, Anura and, and a few fringe players that, uh, that Mancini doesn't appear to rate in any way. So uh, one thing that uh, was evident from the Skulls testimonial, which I guess you can't put too much score in because they didn't really have an opposition. Actually, until Patrick Vieira came on, uh, he was brilliant. I'm not, I haven't seen Vieira play that well for about five years. I thought he, he rose to the occasion of being the villain of the piece admirably. Eric Cantona, of course, put a team of New York Cosmos together, a bunch of under 23-year-old kids featuring the mighty Chad Koblerone in goal for the second half, with a few world superstars, Fabio Cannavaro, who incidentally was looked phenomenal again. But in the second half, at about 65-minute mark, Eric Cantona brought on Patrick Vieira because, as he said in his press release, the Cosmos are a mixture of football and art. And you can't, and, and you know, if football is any kind of art, then it is drama, and you can't have drama without a villain. So Cantona brought Vieira on so that the occasion which was an occasion to celebrate a great hero also had a villain Very nice nice bit of uh, narrative work from the the king I think he probably did it for that reason and uh, and Vieira lapped it up didn't he he seemed to love the deep booing that he got <laughs> yeah a lovely little wave to the Stretford end nice touch uh, talking of nice touches that that day was incredible uh, it was an, a remarkable occasion it was phenomenal to be there uh, to give skulls that richly deserved ovation as he did his lap of honour with his kids at the end of the end of the game very very moving scenes and, and Eric Cantona obviously brought in by Scolzi as a ringer to try and take some of the attention off him uh, didn't really do his job in that regard he just sort of slipped off at the end of the game before the presentation started just gave a tiny little wave as he went down the tunnel to rapturous applause uh, and, and right I think there's an important discussion about the Scolzi testimonial that we need to have that is I was quietly pro the Mexican wave. I'm, I'm against the Mexican wave at sporting events. I think it has no place at a football game. I think if you're doing a Mexican wave, that means you're not paying attention uh, to what's going on in the pitch. But somehow, it just seemed to fit the occasion. And uh, whilst it died on its first way round, I think in the south stand, it, it died. The, the second time round, it, it, it picked up momentum and was a full three-tier Mexican wave. Mm, yeah, no, I, I, I'm not with you on Mexican waves. I think uh, I think they're pointless. No, I was. I, that's what I said. I think they have no place at the yeah. at a sporting occasion but this particular one was uh, was good mm, yeah no okay no you 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 were unmoved and and fair enough Skulls' goal uh, was was spectacular and and to me it didn't look like Friedel let that one in that, that looked like oh no that was a, that, that was a clean 25 yard hit that's that's the kind of thing he's been doing since he was 13 yeah absolutely uh, and watching him and the, the inevitable cheers of Fergie sign him up they they felt really appropriate because god he could still do a job couldn't he he was he, he, he could still do a job, but United do need to move on, and and uh, I think we we spoke about enough times last season how Skulls' legs had gone, especially away from home. So he'd be doing a job in games where Ferguson rotates and, and brings in some of the fringe players, and and I think uh, Skulls knew that, and he has obviously sets a very high bar for for the 
quality that he can produce and, and that and he said that he didn't feel like he was the kind of player that should be playing for Manchester United and that's why he went so yeah definitely could do a job and I think Ferguson wanted him to stay and actually I think he was taken by surprise that, that uh, Skulls called a day now, in a way it's nice because we're not getting an, an extra season there's no chance of Skulls spoiling his legacy I mean they're, they're, I, I wouldn't say that Gary Neville spoiled his legacy but his last game was embarrassing and uh, I don't think we can say that about Skulls I don't think his last game was embarrassing I mean it was embarrassing for the entire side but not specifically for Skulls he, he, you know, he leaves clean with people still wanting some more yeah, which which leaving wanting more is a pretty pretty good move for a sportsman, and 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 yeah, it was it was a very fitting occasion. The 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 celebration that he was afforded was entirely appropriate, and it was kind of appropriate that it was a complete total and utter sellout, that the whole ground, not not a seat in the house. No, that that was very nice. Um, save for a little block up in the corner, which they had actually saved for the uh, Nike Manchester United Premier Cup which was an under-15s tournament that uh, that took place at Carrington Old Trafford last week. And, yeah, so they had a whole bunch of the kids there, which is actually a nice touch, really, let, let the kids in. See one legend and maybe they'll learn something from it. Yeah, absolutely. And if they learn nothing else, all footballers should be made to watch Paul Scholes' head for 90 minutes and just, like, see how it darts about looking from left to right the whole time. Yeah, and there's uh, there's no doubt that Scholes' son is Scholes' son, right? And to talk about Carrot Top. <laughs> he does look like him. The reason I brought up Skulls' testimony in the first place is between that and the charity shield, I'm slightly concerned that Anderson might be becoming a Manchester United player. I'm just putting it out there. It's early in the season. We talked about outlandish, bold predictions. And last season, I said that Dimitar Berbatov was going to score 25 goals. He didn't quite make it. He got 21. But that would have seemed laughable if I'd said 20 goals, to be honest. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Anderson is going to have a really good season. He's had a full pre-season, which is uh, unusual for Anderson. Right. I think actually it's the first time in his uh, time in four years at United that he's had a full pre-season so that bodes well and, and I agree with you he had, he had a good game against Cosmos had a very good game against City in the Charity Shield and I, I think I think we're owed it if he doesn't, can't do it now with a full pre-season and, and some maturity and time at the club he's never going to do it and I, I have to say I'm, I'm with Keynes on this one when the facts change my opinion changes and when I see Anderson putting in some decent performances and a string of them I'll believe that he's a Manchester United player for now history tells me that he's inconsistent and he'll one great game will be followed by you know seven or eight average ones and then an injury so maybe I, I maybe I, I hope he has a fantastic season I really do yeah uh, talking of players that might have a fantastic season this season apart from you know your Wayne Rooney's and your Rio Ferdinand's although maybe not so much Rio given his injury proclivities who, who are your picks to have really good seasons for United who do you think we're going to be talking about at the end of the season as player of the year yeah I, I think some of them are well all pretty obvious really I, I think that uh, Wayne Rooney is due an outstanding season I think he's got a bit between his teeth I think Nemanja Vidic will have a great season again as long as he doesn't get injured uh, he is, he's been the best defender in the Premier League for the last four years and, and I think he'll show it again uh, I, and uh, I think Javier Hernandez I don't see him having a second season syndrome uh, as long as he can get in the side of course is Danny Welbeck playing so well but um, I, I assume once he comes back at the end of August he'll start banging in the goals he's just a, just a natural goal scorer 
And and the, in, the really interesting one for me is Nani. I mean, it, it appears like he will definitely stay. You thought he was going, didn't you? The noises on the grapevine felt like he was probably looking at... Well, he was definitely looking at options, and, and Ferguson has told him he wants him to stay. Uh, and he's been outstanding in pre-season. And uh, clearly, Penny's dropped somewhere, and he's gone. You know, Antonio Valencia's back uh, and fit, and at the end of last season took his place. Um, Ashley Young's been brought in. Tom Cleverley can play on the right as well. And Nani's probably thought to himself, hang on a minute, I, I might not even make the team, so I better put in some performances. And he, he really has. So it's consistency now, because he was excellent up until about March last season and then lost his place in the side and actually I think before then there were a few inconsistent performances uh, after the turn of the year so can he do it for the full season? Yeah he absolutely fell off a cliff last season uh, I, I, I vowed that this season I am not going to get frustrated with Nani I don't really care what he does I'm not going to get frustrated if he gives the ball away in really good positions when we really need to score in the last minute of a game I'm still not going to get frustrated because that's just who Nani is he's just, he's just a player with spectacular talent and the ability to have a huge impact on games uh, who will also make counter-attacks break down because he'll give the ball away uh, by making poor decisions when his feet go too fast for his brain. I mean you're right about the feet going too fast for the brain. You, you kind of think footballers, you know, they need the best ones, Paul Scholes. He's, he's like a chess player. He's, he's got five or six moves ahead of him and you, you feel like Nani's reacting to events around him all the time and, and he's not making the full use of his talent as a result. No, absolutely, but uh, but I, I don't think he's going to be player of the season again this year. I, I'd be surprised. But, you know, be great if he was. Uh, one, one player that I'm absolutely fascinated to see how he does this season is Tom Wesley, who cleverly, uh, he seems to be, after the charity shield, a lot, a lot of people saying, do you know what? Uh, all season I've wanted us to sign. All summer I thought we were going to sign Schneider and I wanted us to. And uh, now I'm not so bothered because I think Tom cleverly will have a big impact. Uh, I mean, he will have a big impact because he's, he's a talented player. And I, he's, uh, I think... Uh, um, a better player in the centre of midfield than on the right. I think uh, England uh, under 21s played him on the right wing a lot of the time, and I think that actually kind of limited his his repertoire of talents. And he, he's not the he's not the kind of quarterback player who's going to get it in ping 60, 70 yard balls. And he's certainly got the range of passing, but he's very bright. Plays one, two touch. He's always on the move. He's it, for me, he feels more like Cesc Fabregas than Paul Scholes. And he's just a he's a very you know modern player. He's bags of energy. Uh, he he does his bit working back uh, he's a very neat player he's, he's got pace he can score a goal he's certainly got a shot on him so I think he's a very good player but but if you said to me that's the answer for United both in the long term and the short term I'd say no I'd say we're well short there if that's our sole creative player going into the season or him and Anderson and they're supposed to hold up the United central midfield for 50 games this season including the really big ones towards the end of the season I'd say absolutely no chance that, that's it's ridiculous talk to think uh, that's um, um, that's the right the right way to go. The the only reason United will not uh, if they if United does not sign Schneider or another uh, experienced central midfielder, it all comes down to the economics. And uh, Ferguson knows that he needs another player in there. There's nothing against Cleverly. It's he can't hold it up for a whole season. It's just not going to happen. No, I mean I I, I think we'll still. I, I don't think we need to sign Wesley Schneider to win the league. Um, by Wesley Schneider, I'm using him as a cipher to represent all high quality central 
central midfielders uh, that we could possibly sign. We don't need to sign them to win the league. Our, our squad is the best squad uh, out of anyone in the league uh, when you combine it with the manager. You know, th- th- there's not much in it. The only the only squad that can kind of come close to matching us for talent is is City, I suppose, and and they're just miles off in terms of being a team. Which which the United boys also all they do all seem to genuinely play for one another, like one another. There's a really good atmosphere whenever you see behind the scenes stuff you know what I mean it's all there's a lot of team spirit and, and winning obviously breeds that you know a, a successful dressing room is a happy dressing room and all that kind of stuff but they've you know and, and I think winning the league last season bonded them further as well and I think the young players that have come back or come into the side are really excited to be there and and, and, and there's a huge amount of kind of youthful vibrancy and energy but we're not going to win the Champions League unless we get really lucky um, because Barcelona are still they were they were miles better than us in May and they're miles better than us in August I mean and arguably they've gone further ahead too Alexis Sanchez is, is an outstanding player better player than Ashley Young for me and obviously they've played, paid an awful lot of money for him uh, 32 million or something like that uh, but he, he's going to add I mean Pedro what did Pedro score last season 23 goals or something uh, but he's now not good enough for the Barcelona first team yeah I mean we talked about this on, on Friday night it's got to do with squad depth as well hasn't it that they they were kind of thin last season so another really really top quality player is going to make a big difference to their 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 squad depth and and, and if they bring in Fabregas it seems like uh, the deal has now been done yeah it seems like that's happening right now doesn't it yeah, p- pretty awesome reserve for Xavi when when Xavi suffers the inevitable injury. Yeah, it's it's it, that's kind of scary, and so we're we're no closer to Barcelona. No, and 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 then they've got Thiago, who they uh, managed to sign on a, a new contract. A lot of people thought that he might leave, and and he was the the standout player by a country mile for the the European Under Twenty One Championships. Yeah, no, absolutely. So so we're we're a long way off off that, but you know, I'm not even how greedy do you want to get? We we basically couldn't become as good as. Bar- Barcelona over the summer because there aren't the players available to close that gap you know because because Barcelona have got some of the best players in the history of world football I mean we, we've probably got a couple in the top 25 ever or whatever this season well maybe not I don't know I can't work out the maths but they've definitely got at least two players who you would put in a world 11 of all time I would have said right right yeah 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 no you're, you're right Javi and Messi would, would be in there and then Iniesta's not far off no exactly uh, they, yeah, they're, they're an outstanding side. We'll, we'll see. I, I don't think I don't think United have closed that gap. I, Schneider or a, a n other you know, proven top quality midfielder is required. Whether it, we're you know, framing it in terms of you know, closing the gap to Barcelona or just because that's what we needed. How many times were United out out thought, out muscled, out played, out passed in midfield away from home last season? Uh, constantly, constantly. And and I I don't honestly know. We I think we talked about this at the last podcast of the season. I think we. Talked talked about uh, had we got a choice would we pick Modric or Schneider and I think we both said Modric and, and there was a reason for that because he kind of fitted into the United style and in fact it looks like United are definitely going to play if the if the charity is ending go by a sort of 4-2-3-1 system a flexible 4-2-3-1 system and and the question mark there is is Schneider happy playing as the one of the two because you know the central of the three is is Wayne Rooney and and I, I would argue that he's perfectly happy playing there that's where he plays for Holland it's where he'll play for Inter this season if he doesn't move he's a top player in that position but he's also a player 
he likes to play as the 10. Yeah, I mean, of course, that would be wonderful because at some point Rooney will get injured and it means you could still play the same system. You know, he's going to miss a game or two, isn't he, Rooney? So. Inevitably, he does. Um, uh, whereas, whereas Modric, who, of course, would very easily slot into, into, the, into the midfield. But Modric isn't going to happen. He wants to move to Chelsea, Tottenham being intransigent, uh, and Nasri uh, is, is going where the money is and he's going to City. And, and there aren't that many experienced players after that. After that, you're talking about players like Mara Goetz at, at Dortmund, who's another very good player. But you know, he's 19 years old, so you might as well give cleverly a chance. We've had some questions on Twitter, a couple of which we've covered already. A bit of analysis on Cleverly and Ando, uh, requested by at Awate91, who, by the way, we have to give a absolutely massive shout-out for his excellent theme tune. Thank you very much for that, sir. And also, at Matilda's Daddy asks, uh, will we sign Schneider? He was joking when he asked that question, because I'm sure he knew that we would cover that. But but he did want to ask us what we thought of whether or not we should be paying £200,000 a week to a 27-year-old. Right. Uh, wouldn't wouldn't we better be better off investing in youth and that is the big question that is the glazonomic question but it's also uh, even more than that it's about prudent management even if we had all the money in the world is that a good use of the resources right I mean but it was, it was a, I mean in a way it was the same question when you had to sign Dimitar Berbatov was that worth spending that money I mean I, I, as it turns out I, I'm not sure it was um, just in terms of the output I mean yeah, wonderful player and all that so <laughs> thank you thank you for uh, just getting in there before I, I went off on a 35 minute discussion of why that money was worth it for the aesthetics alone that's, that's um, you know we don't need to go down that route but for Schneider I mean he would have to perform outstandingly for the next five years to justify the money and even then it would be very hard to I mean uh, the 200,000 a week is is the ceiling right it's more like 180 and then they'll top it up like they're doing with Rooney with some very ample image right and the problem with that one is that, of course that um, the HMR are looking into that at the moment so it might come back to bite United on the bum if uh, if they structure the deal in that way and United may end up making the difference uh, with the taxes which would be substantial uh, if uh, HMRC declare that as earnings rather than dividends paid to a you know, company which is Schneider Limited or whatever it will be massive economics I mean uh, wages alone uh, plus the fee 30 and a bit million uh, you know, is nearly 80 million investment and over a five year contract Right. Uh, plus all the image rights, which are, are still a cost to United, remember, uh, and you know substantial. So we're probably talking like a hundred million pound investment, which is huge. And United definitely need to win one or two European Cups in that time to justify. Yeah, and and you know that that's the thing. Just in terms of finances, if you're going to spend a hundred million pounds on a player, he's got to cap. He's got to be the difference between second and first in the world, really. You know what I mean? Or at least put you in the in the mix to be the best in the world because of because how do you make that money back you can't make that money back in prize money because Schneider's there because the difference in prize money as you you said last season between quarterfinals and Champions League and winning the Champions League isn't isn't big enough do they think that's that senior player is the right one both for the team success commercials and and all of that so I mean you do have to have stars in order to market yourself so I mean one of the things we talked about earlier
earlier, it's come full sync on the conversation here about sort of breaking America. Um, one, one of the key points about marketing football in the States is that, uh, and you'll see this in all the marketing that United do, it's not about marketing United the brand first, it's about marketing the players first and the brand follows. Right? And that's really important when trying to break new markets. And David Beckham sh- has shown that. Uh, rubbish footballer for the last few years. Oh, not rubbish. I'm being, no. I'm being cruel. I'm being cruel. But, but a footballer of a lower standard than he used to be for the last few years uh, and hasn't really been on the pitch a massive success in MLS, uh, not least because he's either been injured or you know, playing off somewhere else for half of the time, uh, but has done much to help the boost in the profile of, of the sport in the States. And, and that's what United will need to do. Uh, how, how much was uh, Chicharito's face all over the marketing? Hugely. Same Wayne Rooney and a few of the other big players. So um, I, I think United's commercial department realise how much uh, someone like Schneider might bring them because he has a global profile plays in the World Cup final. A big international player, well known and all of that. Yeah, but on the other hand, the flip side to that is how much was Chicharito's face plastered all over that marketing? A man who cost six million pounds. It's Then again, you know, 30% of the states do speak Mexican Spanish <laughs> Mexican that, that famous language no I mean I mean I, I, I agree that's obviously part of the reason but I, I mean, it's just it's a it's a case in point it's like the fact is you just as you don't have to necessarily invest that kind of money in order to win to get that same dividend uh, in the Champions League you also don't have to do it in terms of star power necessarily and this is this is just from the financial side I would love to see Schneider come to United one one thing that I wanted to talk about actually um, I know I guess because it's been going on all summer, everyone's kind of sick of the Schneider thing, but it just won't go away. And is that because football writers have got nothing else to write about? Or is that because the whole summer has been spent with people trying to make this deal work at a value that's acceptable to both sides? Yeah, yeah. I I mean, it's the latter. It's also because United have been briefing behind the scenes constantly. We're not interested in Schneider and and every single... And and, and then, you know, it's the boy who cried wolf. United have briefed so often that they're not interested in Schneider. Schneider that, that every single media outlet on the planet knows that United is interested in Schneider actually work, work, work that fuzzy logic out well, when, you, when you say it's the boy who cried wolf what you mean is it's the lady that doth protest too much it is a it's a real problem for United that one because not exactly being truthful with the media in the past. But for, look, for sure, everyone knows that United are interested. They sent the delegation out to Milan. They got short shrift. I mean, they've been told more than a year ago that Schneider is available. I mean, they're in an awful lot of financial trouble. They won't make financial fair play unless they sort their books out. So that means getting some of the high earners off. Eto looks like he's off to Russia, and Schneider's the other big earner and gets some decent fees for them, and it, it frees up an awful lot of money for, for Inter not only to reduce some of their debt but to bring in Carlos Tevez and all of that it's a bit sad I think the, the Etu going off to Russia um, I'm, I'm, I don't really like that transfer because I, I always thought Etu was very talented and it's a bit, bit of a shame that he's going to end up doing the kind of Qatari league equivalent thing of just going for a massive payday and also I, I don't know how I, 20 million euros over three years I, I, I might take that and play in Russia I don't Russia. know how happy he's going to be in Russia I'm not, I'm not convinced there's 20 million euros worth of happiness coming his way. Uh, of course, but a 20 million euros worth of happiness is of course no happiness whatsoever because we all know that money can't buy you happiness. M- money can't buy you happiness, but maybe he's uh, he'd rather be sad and drive a Ferrari. Maybe. Uh, money can't buy you happiness. We don't know whether it can buy you at Happy Hero, but I suggest it can't. Uh, it was excellent to meet him on the uh, day of the Skulls testimonial, but also we've had a question in, uh, and it's a question we've all got to think about and not one single one of us wants to think about, and that is how long do you think that Sir Alex Ferguson 
Robertson has got left in charge of United. I think that the beginning of this season is a really good time to talk about that because once again, I was just struck, uh, really forcibly struck by what a remarkable job Fergie's done of building yet another side in the, the aftermath of Ronaldo leaving the club because he's done it. He's done it again. You know, yes, we're, we're short in central midfield, but he clearly knows that because otherwise we wouldn't be pursuing this Schneider deal. He, he's done a remarkable job uh, and and he just shows no signs of slowing down. But at some point he's going to have to. Yeah, he shows no signs. I mean, I, I think I've said more than one time I thought June 2012 was the time he'll go. I mean, it doesn't feel like it right now, does it? Mind you, just to just put it out there as a you know a last thought uh, before we before we sort of go for this week. But just he's been talking regularly during the summer about leaving a legacy. Mm. He's done it more than one occasion, and uh, well, I haven't I haven't seen that. I have to say uh, he's been talking about re- leaving the right age profile. And yeah, there you go. M- might be. I'd be. It doesn't feel like he's going to go next year. But maybe he'll pull a fast one and that'll be it. At Duke underscore uh, asks for two things. One, a shout out to our number one Canadian fan. We have no statistical data to verify that you're a number one Canadian fan. I think, in fairness, he's the only person to stake a claim to the role. So it may be bestowed upon him for just that reason. But if you've got beef with him, you can hit us up on Twitter at UTD Rantcast, at United Rant for Ed. Of course, you can email the show, cast at unitedrant.co.uk or please feel free to throw up a comment on the show page on the website and also you can throw us a review in iTunes. Uh, having said all that pluggy type stuff, we've got one final question which is how is Sir Alex going to keep all his forwards happy this season? What do we think of Makeda and Diouf going out on loan? I think they'd take a fee for Diouf if it was coming and uh, yeah. and Makeda, his agent said he wouldn't be going out on loan. I, I, they might take a review of that just before the window closes and have a think. I mean uh, Sir Alex says he's happy having seven of course he's happy having seven. He can't keep seven happy though I, if someone offers a fee for Diouf he'll go I know he scored a couple on Friday night or whatever but I mean yeah, there's some really comedy defending towards the end of that game uh, he's a player that is not and will never be good enough for United so uh, they'll take the money uh, Obertan's gone uh, of course and um, I'm sure uh, if they could you know, get anywhere near the fee they paid for him I think it's three and a half million uh, five million euros or something like that um, they would they would take it uh, Makeda yeah, I, another year out on loan wouldn't do any harm I think he should stay in England though it was a bit of a disaster going to Sampdoria and that would leave him with five strikers which is plenty enough for anybody yeah, and, and especially when they're uh, five strikers of the calibre we've got. You said, where on earth is Berbatov going to fit into that fluid, dynamic team that that played the second half against Manchester City? Uh, and the answer is clearly that he's not going to fit into that team. He's going to have to play for us in a, in a different role when we have slightly different personnel, certainly like if Giggs was on the left or, you know, those kinds of things. I, I, and I think that's fair enough. It's fair enough to keep a mix. And I mean, if, if you take uh, Rooney, Hernandez, Owen, Berbatov, well and, and maybe Mikado. I mean, you've, you've got five or six, depending on what happens to Mikado. Very different players there, haven't you? And and that's a nice balance to have. I and mean, trying to find the best combinations is a is a challenge, but it's a certainly nice balance to have. Case in point, really. Uh, try picking an eleven for United's game at West Bromwich Albion on Sunday. Uh, that's that's a tough one to call. I mean, you'd you'd kind of guess it'd be something similar to the Charity Shield, but but it's it's first game of the season. I still can't work out who Fergie's going to play. Listen, before we go, I, we've got some important business to attend to this is the season opening show we've got to lay our cards on the on the table 
table, you've you've said extensively where you think United will finish in all the different competitions and all that kind of stuff. But but let's let's get let's get these predictions recorded. I'm pretty sure we're both predicting that United are going to win the Premier League this season. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. I I think United will win the Premier League this season. I think I think we have a better a better squad than everyone else, and that will do it. And uh, so, how many points do you think we're going to finish? And who do you think will be second? I think City will be second, and I think it will be four or five points. Yeah, I was going to say six points, but I think we're going to finish. Yeah, okay, I'll go with City. I, I don't know. I'm torn between City and Chelsea. Arsenal, top four or not? Um, yeah, no, yes, maybe. Uh, I think they're just about better than Liverpool, and Liverpool is trying to integrate a bunch of new players. I mean, it's it's it kind of depends on. It's a hard one to call at this stage. I mean, I, I think I said on the page Arsenal would be fourth, but if they lose Nasri and Fabregas, it really depends on who they manage to bring in. I mean, I don't think Oxlade Chamberlain is going to be the man to to fire them into the Champions League. So it's going to be a tight one. I think Liverpool's failings were were significant and they might not have bridged the gap. The season before last, of course, it was Tottenham Hotspur that claimed that fourth spot. You you writing them off this season, even if they keep Modric? If if, uh, if they're not running, they're they're going backwards. There's an argument to say that that Liverpool might have overtaken them. Okay, I'm going to predict that Tottenham will finish in the top four. Bold prediction. Might be ridiculous. Bit of it. You said you wanted bold predictions. Uh, I'm going. Foolhardy, some people might say. Yeah, maybe. But I'm going. I'm going for one outside bet. Uh, United's top scorer this season in all competitions. In all competitions. Uh, I, let, let's let's be bold and say Wayne Rooney. <laughs> all right. Well, to offer some counterbalance, I'm going to go with the Spurs in the top four esque pick of Chicharito. I think I think he might outscore Rooney this season. I don't really believe that, but I just want to pick a different player from you in this particular thing. Where are we going to finish in the Champions League? I mean, it really just depends on the draw. I, I, I mean, semi-final. We could, could make the final again. No, no reason why not. I mean, I would kind of say that Madrid might be just a little bit ahead of us. But, uh, I mean, that could change, of course, if we sign that uh, top, 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 top central midfield creative player. You know, so maybe if we pull Madrid in the second round, it could happen, depending on the group stages and all that. That, that could be an early exit. So, who knows? F- final, semi-final. I, I don't see us winning it. I think we're going to uh, get knocked out at the point in which we face Barcelona. That, that's what I think. Uh, not counting not counting the group stages, of course. Not that we can face Barcelona in the group stages. Um, I don't know much about seeding, but that, that would be my guess. How many games between them will Ravel Morrison and Paul Pogba get in the first team squad, including the Carling Cup? Four. That's, no, sorry, not in the squad, on the pitch. That's minutes on the pitch. Four. Four. I don't think they'll get many. I think I think Pogba is uh, is still very lightweight. He'll 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 benefit from a full season in the reserves or, or maybe half season and then some time out on loan. Uh, and, and Morrison, if he's not at Her Majesty's pleasure, he'll certainly get some time. I mean, he's very well. I mean, the fact that the club are get, you know going all out to protect him, uh, even David Gill commenting on him shows you how much he is rated. And and on talent alone, he could definitely uh, have some time in, uh, in the FA Cup, Carling Cup teams but uh, he's not going to play unless he pulls himself together. Yeah, I think four is a really good number, actually. I might take the under rather than the over, but I definitely think you've set the line right, so so I think I'm going to take the under on that. How many goals will Anderson score this season? Six. All right, I'm taking the over on six. This is easy because you're setting all the lines and I get to pick either way. So I've got the over on six, the under on four. This is intangible. By the end of the season, will Michael Carrick have had a good season or not? No, I I think on balance we'll be saying uh, he has not, as he said, become the authoritative figure in United's central midfield. I don't think he'll do it. I don't don't think he's going to change his spots there. And I think um, if Anderson does have a good season and cleverly and we bring in another player, he might 
might become surplus to requirements, as they like to say in football cliche land. Absolutely. Well, uh, talking of surplus to requirements, I think us talking anymore would be surplus to the requirements of your ears, ladies and gentlemen. So thank you so much for coming back for another season of the Rankcast. We've signed that one season contract extension, so we will be here until the end of the season when we may have to renegotiate terms. We, we certainly we certainly will be. Uh, we're certainly on, not on Schneider Escott wages, but we do it for the love, not the money. Final comment before we go. We have to do a prediction. United versus West Brom at the Hawthorns on Sunday. I cannot not predict a United win. I, I think West Brom are going to have a really, really good season this season, by the way. Um, and I actually think a draw there would not be a terrible result in the in the scheme of things and certainly not a kind of, oh my God, what's happening to our season disaster because I think Hodgson's bought smartly and I think uh, they've, they've loaned smartly. will be reunited with everyone's favourite. Oh, we didn't win the league because the United fans don't like the Glazers uh, goalkeeper Ben Foster. But it's not a Carlin Cup match so we might be able to get a goal past him. So yeah, I, I, I think we're going to, uh, I think we, we'll win that game. Goals from Nani Wayne Rooney. Alright, yeah, I think United uh, uh, are going to get out of the blocks quick and, and we will win and we need to do that because uh, obviously the record on the road wasn't so great last season so I'm, I'm saying a 2-0 win to United. Alright, excellent. Who's, who's the scorers? I think Nemanja Vidic, captain's goal and Wayne Rooney. Alright, excellent. So I guess we'll be back this time next week with another one of these. We'll see you then. See you then.